All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for calling. No, you didn't call me. You emailed me. Thank you. You know, it, it seems like whenever your life is just a little like, oh, poop. What am I good for? Well, then you get a phone call from a church and you know what you're good for. You're good for sharing the word of the Lord. And I am so blessed with that. Thank you so very, very much. It's nice to see some old faces and it's nice to know that some people show up just in hopes that they'll get picked on this morning. <laughs> I'd like to open with prayer, please. Oh, Heavenly Father, I come before you. I stand before you as your vessel. I ask you to totally empty me of me and fill me up with your words, your praise, and your glory. I ask that you allow at least one person to take home a small part of this message to help them through their day and the rest of their life. Lord Jesus, we give you the glory, we give you the praise, for it is in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to go with a little mix of peace, hope, suffering, and love. Who knew that there would be so much in just five verses in the book? According to Romans 5, 1 through 5, the life of the justified is the mix of these four things, the peace, the hope, the suffering, and love. And together, the four of these blessings, as well as the glory of our God. It's what we look forward, what we're going to look at this morning. Grace and glory to our Lord plays a significant part in everything we do, and it also plays a very significant part in the four aspects we're going to look at this morning. It's a marvelous gift. It's an expression of God's love for us. It's His grace. And oh, what a mighty thing it is that we sit here this morning and feel His grace and His love and the spirit that He pours out onto each and every one of us. And it fills our life with just the basic simple needs that we need to go by. So let's start with peace. Peace these days is probably not the same as it was back in several of you's era where it was peace. People got along. You didn't have to worry about locking up your homes at night or locking up your cars or watching your children and being overprotective, as my great-granddaughter tells me, because I don't let her out of my sight or out of her range, even in Walmart, because you just don't know. Peace is the present, in this presence, is a possibility for those who have been made right. And to be made right with the Lord is to be justified before God. Justification with God is just a very important part of our lives. And justification in God and peace, they just kind of go hand in hand. So they're just walking down the lane, holding hands, they're getting along together, they're being peaceful but it all comes together as one. And we can all have peace when we realize that we cannot save ourselves. Nobody can save themselves. But, there's always buts, right? God is willing to help each and every one of us. He's going to be there for us. He's going to give us our grace. And we cannot stand in the peace without standing in God's grace. In Isaiah 32, 17, we're going to jump around this morning, so I hope... I don't get lost. <laughs> okay, Isaiah 20, 32, 17 simply tells us, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. The fruits of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. So you got the righteousness, you've got that peace, and isn't it just kind of a like, oh yeah, we got the peace and it's going to be forever. We're going to be quiet. We're confident because we have the peace of our Lord and our souls and our hearts. We're righteous with the Lord. And then Psalm 72. It's like kind of being on the Emmaus walk. You get everything pink marked here. What did I say it was? Okay, Psalm 72, 7. <clears throat> In his days, the righteous will flourish. We're going to grow. We're going to bloom. We're going to blossom. 
It's going to be all about us. Not puffing up our heads. It's going to be about us. Prosperity will abound until the moon is no more. So we're going to be right, we're righteous. We're going to be flourished. We're going to be peaceful. And we're going to keep that up until he comes to see us. It's going to be that way. That's because that's God's plan. The king supports and protects these plans, and he uses all his royal powers to suppress all the wicked that's out to get us. In Psalms 85.10, we read, Love and faith, this one just, this one just kind of cute. Love and faithfulness meet together. So you got your love and you got your faith, and they're all meeting together here um, as new friends. Righteousness and peace, however, kiss each other. So you got these four components. They're meeting up, and then you got these other two that are boldly kissing each other. So we've got that. We've got that little piece of, of righteousness, and we've got the peace, and we've got the faithfulness, we've got the love, and they're just hanging on. They're just hanging on. And they're filling us with the love of our Lord and the peace that we all wonder why so many people don't accept. This is a pro-trial of their meeting, and it's an embracing, embracing offer for one of the most beautiful images in all, all of Scripture. God's gracious dealings with the righteous people that he calls his children. He protects us and supports the righteous, and he suppresses the wicked. Some days I think we just wish that he could suppress those wicked people just a little bit faster. You see all this negative stuff on TV news. I don't watch the news much because it's depressing. But, you know, I'm like everybody else. I'm on Facebook to see what you've all done the night before. And there's just some wickedness on there, too. Those are the things I tend to delete. He, these are expressions of God's love. You get a visual of these beautiful images all coming together. The image makes me more aware that there is hope for all of God's children Everywhere, all of God's children, even those who are not righteous with the Lord or who we classify as the wicked or who we judge as different from us because of different things that they have, tattoos, they're alcoholics, they're addicted, um, they're murderers, um, they're in prisons, they're in jails. We judge them differently, but there's hope for those people. There's hope because they're part of God's children, and God wants all of us to sooner or later all live in peace. We all just need to get along. And I know that most of us think, why can't we be like children? They accept people for who they are. Children don't judge. Our children just don't do that. Why can't we be like our children? Do you accept who they are? We had a lady in um, the Emmaus community, and um, she goes to the uh, Disability Special Olympics. And she She's a proud of what she can accomplish. And she stood up Friday night at the gathering. Um, her name is Gloria, for some of you that may know Gloria. She's been around for a while. She won first place in state at Special Olympics this year. And she reminded all of us that Special Olympics, no one looks at anybody else as being different. They love each other. They take care of each other. They support each other. And they're happy for each other. She won state. And all these other people on the Olympics team were proud of her and praised her. Now, sometimes I think we as, as adults, well, sometimes, and maybe kids do. I know sometimes mine does. Why? Why didn't I win first place? Why, why, why did they win and I didn't win? How come they're better than me? But in the Special Olympics, Gloria pointed out to each and every one of us, we're all children of God. They are special children of God that can show us there is peace and righteousness in the world.
So between, if you kind of look at our Special Olympics people, who I just love hanging around, and kids, whom I just love being with, let's, we can learn so much from these two groups of people. We really, really can. So let's move on to hope. Here's a hoping that you're going to stay awake, okay? Are you with me so far? Like, barely. Well, I could jump up and down, but I fell a few weeks ago, so ain't no jumping here. We all boast that we all have personal hopes in sharing God's glory. And shouldn't we be doing that? We all need to get out there, and we have the glory of the Lord. We need to get out there, and we need to share it with everybody. Everybody. And boast is meaning we rejoice, and we do. If you've got God on your heart, and you're boasting because you have the hope of the Lord in your future and your presence, you should be rejoicing because that's the way it is. You're feeling good inside. Is that better? Am I getting better? Jumping up and down up here? A little bit. <laughs> you taking notes? I do nursing home Bible study, um, and it's getting to be, it's more of a reading, but it's okay. And there's this one little lady that reminds us every, she tries every week, I know she does, one by one. One by one, we're going to get everybody to see what we see. We're going to get those people to understand that this is what God has done for me. This is what God can do for you. And she'll tell you, one by one, we're going to capture them all one by one. And we can do that, but to do that, we can't sit here on Sundays, keep our mouth shut when we go out there. We need to move out there and show God's love and show his hope. This is what God's done for me. Look what God can do for you. Sit down and talk to him. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be standing here today. Lord knows where I would be. He does, but it's, it's just the way it is. We need to share God's love and, and the hope that we can, we can make things right in the world. We have access through the hope of God, again, through God's grace. But here again, there's always going to be more. We have the hope of sharing his glory along with his grace. Again, don't just sit in church on Sunday mornings or don't just sit in your Bible studies. Get out there. Do what the Lord wants us to do. Be disciples of Christ. Get out there and share his word. Show other people what can happen. Just, it won't take long. One by one, we'll get them all. Sadly enough, we need hope when we're suffering. We've all been through suffering of some sort, every one of us. If there's somebody in this room that hasn't suffered or isn't suffering now, I want to talk to you. I really, really do. Um, we've been through suffering. We've suffered. We are suffering. And chances are we're going to suffer in the future. We don't know what it's going to be because it's not our plan. It's his. But hope, the hope of the Lord being on our side and the hope of God, Jesus, getting us through, that's the hope we lean on. Never give up on hope. Never give up on hope. Because hope can get you through the darkest of days. You get up some morning and you think, oh, why? Why, why, why? Why did this happen to me? On Memorial Day, um, I took a hard fall on concrete, wet concrete. I was fortunate. I didn't break anything. I'm screaming in agony and pain, and Lord, as long as I can, it's a good thing we don't have our neighbors very close. And I'm screaming for my husband, help me, help me, and he's right there beside me. He says, I'm here. What do you want? Get me up, you know. It took a while, but through the, the hope of the Lord, we got up, and by the hope and the grace and the glory of the God, nothing's broken. I can keep moving, but I had to continue in the hope that knowing it's going to heal. Because God wants it to. It's God's reason I fell, that and the fact that I'm a klutz. But through his hope, I'm going to be able to know that there's a better road ahead and I stay off wet concrete. 
It's a wonderful gift that God gives us. Never give up on hope. Never give up on hope. It's a source of strength and a courage that we face in the most severe trials of our lives. And how often we've, we, um, we bury family, we bury friends. Yeah, they're in a better place. But the hope for them is they are hugging on the Lord before us. But they also have the hope. We have the hope that knowing that someday we're going to get to see him again. And we can hug on the Lord right after we hug on them. Hope will bring you joy. And it's going to get you through, like I said, the darkest times of our lives. Hope's going to get you through day by day. All that stuff that just kind of creeps up and grabs you by the bottom. We never know what it's going to be. You never know if your septic's going to go out and you got to call the guys and eh, have them tear up your flower beds. It's like, you know, those things crop up in our lives. But with hope, we're going to get through it. Throw a little prayer and that doesn't help hurt at all either. Don't give up. Hope is always there. Hope awaits you. Suffering. It's not a comfortable place for me, and I don't think there's anybody I know that suffering is a comfortable place to be in. Suffering can take different, different faces. Suffering can be painful for yourself. Suffering can be painful for your family. Suffering can be looking at people that are in the military that you know and care about. That's, that's a suffering point of life. You suffer when your kids are traveling. You suffer that you made it through. You suffered through that storm yesterday, but you had the hope that God was going to get you through it. Suffering comes in so many different types, if you will. So we all suffer in different aspects. The sufferings that we have at the present time are not really worth it. Once you compare that the glory that we have. Suffering hurts and suffering's going to continue on. But the continuation of the sufferings totally depends on you yourself. If you want to wallow in that pain and agony that you're going through, that's totally up to you. But know that if you see the end of the tunnel, you see the peace and you see the hope of the Lord, the suffering will slowly pull away. You step up out of that tunnel, seek out a friend, get through the suffering. But if you want to suffer by yourself, that's up to you and it's between you and God. Don't do it. Suffering can lead you into dark places. And when you get in those dark places of suffering, you need to rely on the Lord to help you. You need to know that there's hope that you'll get out of it. But you also need to know that you realize that you're in the grace and the glory of our Lord Jesus and that you have the friends sitting here right now in this church and in town um, that will help you through it. Suffering is, is not fun. We need to continually rejoice that not in only God's glory, but in our sufferings. Because through the sufferings, we have to keep our hope alive. In Joel <coughs> excuse me, 2, 28, 9, we see that we can rejoice in the midst of all of our sufferings because we know that our sufferings are temporary. Suffering? Sufferings are temporary. It's the beginning of another life chapter or another season, if you choose. We go through suffering for a purpose, and it's to change the way we're going to live, the way we're going to move forward. It's a new season for our lives. But we've been justified. So suffering will help, we'll get through it. Now there's some people out there that, that they feel that they think they're studying because they want to convince people that suffering is a payback from the Lord for your sins. God doesn't give us payback. He de we don't do that. He doesn't do that. Poor Job. 
Poor, poor Job. He sat there, look at all that he lost. He never once screamed and yelled at the Lord, why are you doing this to me? He keep, kept praying, but his misguided friends, bless their hearts, he never invited them to come, but they showed up anyway. And how many of us could do that? I am suffering and I am in some severe pain. And do I want all you people to come and just sit and sit there for three days in silence? But I don't have that many friends that can sit in three days in silence. And then have you just start spewing out all this stuff at me? His friends were misguided in what they were saying. God was not punishing Job for his sins. God doesn't punish any of us for our sins. We were saved. Our sins were taken away by Jesus on the cross, and God gave us him. God gave us his son to take care of those sins. So if we suffer temporarily, it's not because you've sinned, because we all sin. You get up this morning, first thing I probably do after I pray the Lord and thank him for another day is I'm sure I sin somewhere, but then you just got to ask forgiveness and keep moving. Sin is not a punishable act by God in any means. You just don't do it. God does not show favor in his children. He's not going to like you any better than he likes me because we're all God's children. We all hold the same favor, no matter what your sufferings and no matter what sins we, we commit daily. It's not a payback. God doesn't give paybacks. Romans 8 tells us, by grace, we are given suffering, once again, to strengthen. Suffering strengthens us. <clears throat> And if you want a picture of suffering, get the visual of our Lord and Savior hanging on that cross. The visual of our Lord and Savior and what he went through before they got him to the, nailed to the cross. That, my friends, is suffering. And that is, a, that is a massive amount of suffering for each and every one of us because that's why he did it. But by the grace of his Father and the glory of God, he knew it was coming. He went through it. He died for us. His sufferings were over. Well, probably until him and his dad are looking down now and seeing some of the silly stuff that we all do. Um, but it's over. For him, it's over. But he suffered for each and every one of us. And just remind yourselves that it works to strengthen us and to resolve needed trials that we have to go through. And it's going to build character. Not a comic strip character, just going to build character. Suffering can build character. And you're going to gain endurance. And you just got to remember that the suffering comes, but you have the hope and the peace. It's all going to mix together. My favorite part of this is love. I just love the word love. There's so, so many kinds of love out there. So many. One of my favorite is agape love. That is one of my most favorite forms of love in all time. Agape love is just one of those things that you just give from the heart. Nobody knows who did it, but they're appreciative that it was done for them. And most of you from the Emmaus community, you know how excited it is when you get all this stuff from strangers. It's, it's pretty cool. And sometimes it's like, oh, I know, I'm Pastor Tammy. She came back one day from someplace, and she had, somebody had painted planters for the front of her office and planted. Nobody knows who did it. Well, we know who did it. She doesn't know. But that was an act of agape love. And those are the kinds of, of uh, acts of love that, that can melt your heart or somebody else's need for the day. Yep, 5.8, this is love. Romans 5.8, this is love, my friends. God's love, one of the most awesome loves there is, is God sending his son to us to suffer and die the way he did. Now that's, that's love in the highest. Can you send one of your children to suffer the way that God let his son suffer? 
And then there's those group of people out there. They're trying to decide what it means, love of God. Well, it's kind of simple, isn't it? Love of God. Well, it is either they think that it doesn't mean we have a love for God or it's because God loves us. Well, I love God, so God loves me. So in my, my brain going on up here, and no comments, please, it means love of God is I love God, God loves me. It's all, it's the same. To me it is. Now you may feel different about that, but that's, that's my take on it. God loves us, and we love God. That's just the way it is. He died on the cross, and it's the same love of the same God that pours out the Holy Spirit each and every day through each and every one of his children. God poured his love out to everybody all the time. You're sitting here today, and God's just pouring buckets of love on you. You don't feel it. Well, some of you may, but he's just dripping it down on you. Love, when we were helpless and while we were sinners, there was still love. There was love. And even today, when you're helpless and you know you've sinned, you still have love. A well-known truth is that God loves all of us, even those, those who have no relationship with him. It doesn't matter. If you haven't got, well, you all do. If someone doesn't have Jesus in their heart, he's going to love them anyway. It's just up to us to help turn them around so they will have the Lord and understand what we got. It's just plain and simple. God loves us all. We're his children. He loves us. He takes care of us. He pampers us. Oh, yeah, he gets angry at us, but he still loves us no matter what. And you know what? As parents, and I was never a parent, um, but being a great-grandmother, <clears throat> there are times when you wonder, oh, Lord, am I, am I doing this right? Am I raising my kids right? Am I good to my family? Am I showing them enough love that they need other than just the material things? That's a love that we'll have to search ourselves for. I, every time I have to punish that girl, I keep telling myself, it's going to make her stronger. It's going to make me cry, but it's going to make her stronger. And I don't, it, and I try to remind her, and she's gotten back at me, I know, Grandma, it's not me you're angry at, it's the act. I said, you're right. That's right. It's the act and the behavior. It's not her. I could never not love her. It's the behavior. So pay attention, kids. It's the behavior, okay? Pay attention. It's the behavior. Your parents will always love you, but if you do something silly and goofy that you shouldn't have done, they're not going to like what you did then, but they're always going to love you as a person. That's just the way it is. Same way with your parents. Parents do do silly stuff. Trust me. Parents do silly stuff, but you've got to love them anyway. You can laugh at them. You can giggle at them, but you still got to love them, okay? Say, okay, yes, look, this one's agreeing with me. All right. We read in Mark where the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the Pharisees were trying to trip Jesus up and all them silly questions they were asking him. And finally, one of the teachers of the law asked Jesus, which of the commandments, which of these ten commandments do you deem as the most important? Well, I can just see Jesus just kind of shaking down the sackcloth and dusting a little bit of sandal. And in Mark 12, 29, he just flat out tells us. We're going to jump into 28 too. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. It's Jesus and the people in the courts. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? A little cocky, wasn't he? <laughs> he didn't know who he was dealing with. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second great commandment is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these two. So they didn't catch him up because he just kind of condensed. If you read the Ten Commandments, they just all kind of bowled into those two. We've got to love our Lord and we have to love each other. It doesn't matter what other people say. Love the Lord with all your heart. Love your neighbor. Sometimes it's hard to love your neighbors. It, it is. I mean, we only have two, but sometimes it's hard. Um, we have a, down the bottom of where we live, we have a horse barn. And a few years ago, one of the horses got loose. And I still have horse pole holes in my front yard, but you can't be mad at the horse, can't be mad at the horse got out. But you still got to love your neighbors no matter what happens, you just got to do this. From the beginning of time to now and into the future, it's all about the love aspects in our lives. If you don't have love for yourself, you can't love anybody else. When I was working on this message, I was having some problems with it, and I was sitting and um, waiting on Kara to finish her piano lessons, and this young man came in and trying to figure out what I was going to do. So this young man comes in for a voice lesson. Oh, he's good. Um, and he'll be singing at the, whenever Grant on music does their, their thing. Young man, beautiful voice. So I'm sitting there, and my Bible's open, and I got paper spread all over their coffee table, and I'm working. I'm just sitting there. I thought, okay, I'll just sit here for a minute. So he started singing the song, Imagine. And it prompted me, to, okay, here we go, God, this is it. I silently sat, very silently, very silently, and just sang along with him and listened to the words. And if you've ever listened to that and realized that all of God's children really do need to come together. Now, the one that we pulled off of this morning was on the one by John Lennon, where it just simply explains, can we imagine if there was no heaven or no hell? The people living for today, and there were no countries. So there was no need for battle, there was no need for war, and there was no need for killings. Everyone living in peace. Can you imagine everybody living in peace? We would all join together and be one world. There'd be no greed, there'd be no hunger. We'd all live in this world as one. We'd live together as one under God's laws. Imagine that. If we could imagine all these things that is in this song, there would be peace. There'd be hope. There'd be less suffering. And love would abound. Sadly, we all just have to sit and wait until he returns. And then it's going to happen. We're going to have what God wants us to have. This morning when you got up, when we all got up, we were given a new start. We were given a new day. And I hope you thank the Lord for that. Thank you, Lord, for giving me another day. Sometimes I say, say give me another day to harass people, because sometimes I just like to do that. But today we're all given a new start. We're given brand new opportunities. We're given a new appreciation, or we should be, of God's grace and God's glory. We should be seeing a new resolve to how we can show God's grace to others and even to remind ourselves that we sinned and we have grace. It all comes through, all of God's love comes through peace, hope, suffering, and love. And may you always, always be filled with these four things that God says is part of our life. 
And all this is just wrapped up in five little chapters in the book. It all comes together as one. So we would ask that you would just be blessed by God. Be blessed in knowing that you'll have the peace through our God. You've got hope through our Lord Jesus. You're going to suffer, but you got the hope that you're going to get out of it. And you got love. And when they all come together, this world will be such a better place if we all just come together in these four aspects of lives and move forward. I thank you again for inviting me back and for allowing me to share God's word this morning. And may you all be blessed in knowing that God loves you. May you be peaceful in your journeys today. May you find the hope that you're seeking. And may your sufferings be ever so minimal. And remember, there's always someone you can reach out to to help you give, to give you the hope that you need. God bless you all and have a wonderful day.